Hokemai and all welcome back to the panel. Lynn Freeman and for Wallace Chapman today. With me, my panellist, Chris Finlayson. With me in the Wellington studio, which is just lovely, former Attorney General and National Party Minister, and Lana Searle, Dargaville's favourite daughter and national broadcaster, now based in the beautiful Ōtautuhi Christchurch. And as she mentioned recently, seen in the last season of TVNZ's Treasure Island. Now this hour, keep calm and carry on is the advice for homeowners feeling spooked by talk of negative equity. Sounds really intimidating, doesn't it, as house prices keep dropping. Could the birth control pill be blunting women's drive to achieve? Well, that's certainly what a new study is suggesting. Staffing at our early childhood centres to the legal minimums is seeing educators describe burnout, stress and sleeping difficulties. This new research also says they're twice as likely to experience physical violence than those with higher staffing ratios. And we're asking what you think of the way the Finnish Prime Minister has been treated after the release of videos of her partying. Uh, let us know, text 2101, email the panel at rnz.co.nz. We'll share your views just before the news headlines at 4.30. But so far, from what I can see, from the flood of texts coming in, lots of support for her, uh, which is great. And uh, straight after the headlines... Today's power ballad. I may be overselling this because I was excited about it yesterday. I'm excited about it today. If it's not to your taste, don't blame the producers. The uh, the decision is entirely mine. It's nine minutes past four on the panel. Well, cruel and vindictive is how the pulp and paper workers union is describing the actions of Purex manufacturer Essity, accusing the company of refusing to allow workers it's locked out over a pay dispute to access their own savings. The company locked out 145 Kowaro workers three weeks ago after they refused to accept a pay deal. It means they get no pay and can't return to their jobs at the factory. Now, we've reached out to ST, but at this stage we've yet to hear back. With me now, though, is Tane Phillips from the Pulp and Paper Workers Union. Kia ora, Tane. Kia ora. Can you explain the situation? I mean, on paper it seems like impossible. Your own savings, surely you get access to it. So what's happening here? Well... We've got, so it's a company-run um, savings scheme. It's under Superlight. Uh, it's been in place for, for uh, uh, quite a few years. It does allow you, in times of hardship, to uh, access your own contribution. Uh, and that's what a, a few of our members tried to do a, a couple of weeks ago, or a week ago. So they tried to do that, and then what happened, Superlight came back and said that the company who needs to uh, sign, sign off on a ticket, has said they will not be letting any of um, any, any hardship grants go at the moment or any hardship application through uh, for this period of time. I then approached the company and asked them what was happening and I was told that none of the locked-out workers will be able to uh, access their um, own contributions during the lockout. I'm sure you've consulted your union lawyers. What are they saying about this? Well, we could go to court. That would take a while. And it is uh, open to some interpretation over... uh, It has got consult. And um, so I I think they've got um, probably legal grounds to say no. But come on, they've never done it before. I think it's vindictive. It's It's starving tactics try and get these guys to fold to um, uh, to accept their um, below-par deal. Now, these are workers who've been locked out for three weeks, no pay, right? So this is going to be hurting a lot of them hard. Did they go into this just anticipating that they would be very straightforward and that they could make a financial hardship request 
uh, and it would yeah. be processed quickly, right? So they had no idea that this could happen? No, no idea. We actually did a bit of research when the lockout first happened, and um, it normally is quite easy to grab the heart. Well, not easy, but you have to you have to fill out a form and you have to meet certain uh, criteria, which they did do. Now, some of these guys, because they've been there a while, didn't have a KiwiSaver. Now, if you, some of the younger guys could go through KiwiSaver, but not all of them have got KiwiSaver. So um, it's just the way that they've set up their uh, superannuation. Oh, so they, they, those on, in KiwiSaver in this situation with financial hardship can access their funds there? Well, yes, as long as they fill out the proper uh, paperwork and that, yes, they can. But that, not everyone has KiwiSaver. A lot of them don't, actually, at that plant, which so, is quite normal for guys that have done a lot of years. So what are you hearing from your members who were counting on the hardship money coming through? Oh, they were very upset, you know. That, that's really putting a lot of stress on the, uh, their partner, the kids and, and their wives, you know. Um, and I mentioned this to the company. Now, if this was a strike, I probably could understand it. But this is a lockout where they, the company, have the power to actually let them go back to work. It is a company's decision for them not to come to work and uh, until they accept the deal. So I see this as very vindictive um, and it's starvation tactics. Chris, I'd like to bring you in here, listening to that. What are your thoughts on, well, it sounds like it's legal. Yeah, well, I suppose that you could go to court, but as uh, has just been said, that's expensive and time-consuming to go to the employment court. Uh, on the face of it, uh, and I don't know the clause, and I don't know all the legalities, but on the face of it, from a human point of view, it seems a bit cruel to me. Uh, I mean, what are the consequences? You have people uh, in a small town in the eastern Bay of Plenty, and they are suffering, and their families are suffering. So, And this uh, is their money, right? And it's ultimately it's their money, uh, which is available to them in the fullness of time. And so on the face of it, as I say, I don't know the clause, don't know all the circumstances. On the face of it, there would appear to be very clear hardship. And the human thing to do is to try and alleviate that while uh, dealing with the underlying industrial issue. I just, For myself, having listened to it, I just don't quite understand uh, why the company is doing what it's doing. Lana, what's your reaction to this? I mean, does this sound like a cautionary tale for people signing up to a company-run superannuation scheme? Well, yeah, it certainly would make you question a few things because there's a few obvious parts there that I would say, why wouldn't you? And this is a company that I was reading up about them earlier, 46,000 workers worldwide. Um, they, they're making calls because they know they can over certain things. And I just wonder, do you not worry about the loyalty of your workers after you make a call like this for the future? What is, Tane, what is the next move for the union? Uh, so we have been uh, trying to get the company to go to facilitate a bargaining. They've accepted, uh, so we will be going to facilitate a bargaining within uh, probably a couple of weeks. That's still a, a long time. Uh, that's not binding. Uh, what the um, union is trying to get to is get to an agreement that they don't go backwards. So um, after a three-year deal, so... Um, we hope that once we get into facilitated bargaining, that will help uh, a bit of movement. Is there any support mm. available from the community or other workers from the union anywhere for those workers who are 
in strife because what you're talking about another two weeks down the track is going to be breaking point, I imagine, for a lot of the whanau. So uh, we're getting a lot of uh, community support uh, within Kawara and the surrounding areas. We're getting um, people donating funds. Uh, we've got a woman that was a, um, her parents were part of the 51 lockout. She's in a, um, she's on a benefit. She sent some money. Now there's a lot of those little ones that are coming in, uh, which wow. is really helpful. I had a text in Tane from somebody saying, look, there are so many jobs out there at the moment. Can't they get another job? Just talk us through what the factory means for the community. Well, I, um, I don't know if everyone knows, the Tasman Pulp and Paper shut uh, last year or the year before because of the um, newsprint market just really t- has disappeared, really. So that was the other big employer in town now. The two, the two mills are Essity and OG. I mean, they are good paying jobs, you know. We're not talking about minimum jobs. So, you know, you wouldn't walk away from them very much. And some of these guys have done nearly 40, 45 years on their plant. So they're invested in the community, in Kauro, and in, in, in the mill. So it's not something you walk away from. Um, and they do want continued em- employment. Uh, normally, this, this firm is not a not a bad firm to work, uh, work for. I'll, I'll say that, hand on heart. Normally they're very good, uh, the, the local managers and that, but this has been driven from outside New Zealand, I feel. I think it's an Australian and multinational uh, company that is really pushing it and trying to keep the wages lower and uh, get more profit. Tell they uh, had a $1.9, $1.8 billion profit last year, that company. So it's not like it's um, you know, they're facing hard times. Is, is there any threat of a toilet paper shortage? Because I tell you what, that, that may well get the company to move. Well, you know, these people work right through lockout, uh, lockdown, sorry, because there was uh, real concern about that. So they, they were coming to work every day during that lockdown period while the managers all stayed home and worked from home. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how much supply they've got in New Zealand, but if this continues, I'm sure, sure there will be. Thank you so much wow. for your time, Tane. I appreciate that. Tane Phillips from the Pulp and Paper Workers Union. It's 18 minutes past four. Let us know your thoughts on that. Text 2101. Email the panel at rnz.co.nz. Nineteen minutes past four. Homeowners staring down the barrel of a twenty percent possible twenty percent drop in home equity are being advised not to panic by financial journalist Bernard Hickey, writing in his newsletter The Kaka. He argues that fears about negative equity are probably overblown. Well, unless you have to put your house on the market for a quick sale. He's here to reassure home buyers reading media headlines about negative equity for the first time who are feeling spooked. Bernard Hickey Kyoda. Kyoda. I love a good definition. What is negative equity? Well, this is where the house price drops below the value of your mortgage. So any of the equity, your own money that you had in the value of the house is wiped out completely. Sometimes it's called being underwater. Do we have any idea of how many homeowners around the country might be in this situation? I mean, there's been a, you know, the COVID disrupted things, but there have been sales happening top dollar. Yeah, it's worth thinking about what house prices have done over the last two or three years. So since the beginning of COVID, we saw house prices rise 45% in about 18 months to uh, the peak, which was in October and November of last year. 
And then we've seen in Auckland City and Wellington City prices drop anywhere from 10 to 20%. And the Reserve Bank and others see the overall market continuing to fall, peak to trough about 20%. Core Logic, the uh, real estate data company, has estimated that there could be as many as 500 borrowers who would be in negative equity if we saw a 20% fall in house prices. So the overall number to think about is 500. Now, of course, those people who live in those homes aren't necessarily being kicked out and wouldn't necessarily have to realise that loss. It's only those people who are uh, in in real financial strife because perhaps there's an illness or uh, one of the partners has died or there's a marriage breakup or a relationship breakup, which means that you don't have two incomes and therefore you're struggling to pay the interest on the mortgage. But even then, many banks will give a lot of time to people who are in that situation. So it's very, very unusual now to see mortgagee sales in New Zealand. Shockingly, there's been just six, as in single digits, six mortgagee sales in New Zealand in the last three months. So I did some calculations on that 500 to work out uh, with the usual rate of marriage breakups and deaths, how many people could be in a position where the bank might turf them out and they would actually uh, lose all of their equity. And I came up with a a number of nine in a year. So we're talking about tiny numbers of people. And remember that most people who bought their home did it before 2020 and are therefore still sitting on massive gains in the equity in their home. I guess for those not in that situation, though, Bernard, and they're seeing their mortgages go up, after record low periods and they're worried about negative equity, you can see how concern is seeping in. Yeah, but it's worth them um, having a look at their own situation, whether they're um, you know about to have a relationship breakup uh, or whether, uh, for example, um, they, they think they might be in trouble with the mortgage. Now, you've got to remember that anyone who borrowed money in the last 10 years or so did it under the Reserve Bank's loan-to-value ratio restrictions, apart from a period in the first year of COVID. And in that time, people have not been allowed to borrow 99%, 98%. Only a very small portion are able to borrow more than 80% of the value of the home. So most people have a lot of equity. Secondly, when you borrow from a bank, before they give you money, they check that you can deal with a much higher interest rate than the one that you've agreed to. So there were people who uh, agreed to interest rates in 2020 and 2021 of 2% for a fixed rate. In fact, there was a 1.99% deal out there. But before the bank gives you the money, they check to see that you can handle an interest rate of 6 or 7%. They call it the serviceability test rate. And what that means is, yes, we've seen the mortgage rates rise from uh, around 2 to 3% to now 5 to 5.5%. But actually, anyone who borrowed in the last couple of years can easily handle that, in part because the bank wouldn't let them uh, have the money to start with unless they could. And secondly, when you look at the incomes of people who have jobs, and typically we're talking about two, two people uh, who both have jobs, their incomes have been rising at a rate of 10% per year at the moment. Now, that's uh, overall take-home pay per week. That's not necessarily hourly pay. We've got more people working longer hours. So when you look at the combination of you don't need to sell, you can easily service the mortgage, 
and you just bought the house, um, why try? Why look to move and uh, crystallise that loss? And remember, don't worry, house prices always bounce back in New Zealand and there's the prospect of lower interest rates next year and for a lot of people, they're looking forward to a national win in the election. The polls say that's a possibility and National has promised to remove the various taxes on, on investors which is expected to push house prices back up again. So for those people, you're best to uh, sit tight, look at your calculations and be really nice to your partner and avoid stepping in front of trucks. <laughs> Lana, do you know of any anyone who's been um, becoming anxious over um, negative equity, mortgage rates, that sort of thing? Yeah, I, I, you know what? I think half the problem um, for people, I'm speaking in behalf of people in their mid-30s like me, is that you can actually see what equity you have quite freely now. And you never used to be able to check in on that as often. I'm sure of it, you know, at the push of a few buttons. So you possibly are checking it a lot more, which, you know, back to Chris's point earlier about cell phones and checking stuff and anxiety, that's probably where um, you need to just not check it all the time and perhaps concentrate on your marriage for a bit too, because that may see you through this wee rough dip. <laughs> what about you, Chris? Oh, it's hard to improve on Bernard's analysis, which I thought was excellent. I mean, the, the, the issue really is that it's theoretical uh, unless and until something happens. But anyone who bought a house during the, you know, the really hot market of 2020, 2021, would have to have been a bit of a moron not to think that uh, uh, house prices would come back a bit. So, as I say, it's theoretical unless and until some of the events that Bernard has described will occur. Bernard, your soothing tones and analysis, I hope, will bring people some um, some hope, uh, the ones who've been struggling with this. Really appreciate your time. Ngamihi Nui. It's financial journalist Bernard Hickey from the Kaka. It's 26 minutes past four. Well, today we're asking what you think of all the fuss being made by many in the media about Finland's parting Prime Minister, Sana Marin. Videos of her, inescapable really. There have been some downright stupid headlines. Here's one. Finnish PM apologises for topless photo as steamy images emerge. It was a headline in uh, tabloid Herald Sun. Not that Marin, by the way, was topless or that the woman in the room who's been accused of being topless was exactly topless either. I mean, it just feels like, ah, oh, it's so frustrating, but that's that's my view. Um, Chris, what do you think? Oh, it's pathetic. I mean, clearly, um, this uh, Prime Minister seems to be very popular. I can't understand what the fuss is about. It's the, the headlines that we've been seeing are ones that you'd expect in, what, the Daily Mail or the Sun or trash like that. Um, and I just can't see what on earth the issue is about. You go back 50 or so years, or perhaps a bit more, um, to some of the things you used to hear that Churchill and, say, Disraeli and others used to do. Uh, it was never an issue because um, the Daily Mail, I suppose, wasn't around. But I really do think that this is just hyped-up garbage. Sad, too, because she's she's... Been cornered to apologise. Well, I don't know what she's apologising no, for. Well, apologising exactly for right. partying. Well, that's exactly right. And done a drug test, voluntary drug test. Uh, I mean, how, how do you feel about this, Lana? And do you think it would have happened if uh, Marin was a man? <laughs> Plain and simply, it, it wouldn't have. It may have. There may have been one story floating out there. I feel for her. I think she's been thrown out to the dogs. And 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 I'm surprised at how long the story's been going for now. I mean, it's. 
it's been over over a week from what I can remember. And she, and you're right, she's pushed into different corners from all different places, and it just makes me so angry. I don't want to have to bring up the T word on your show, but if that were to be President Trump, it wouldn't even there possibly wouldn't even be a photo. Um, or and if there was, it would be just another news story. I I feel for her because you're right, she's incredibly popular and she's done some great things in, in Finland, but. For this to be now the number one searched thing about her is so disrespectful. And she was having a good time. Well, that's and right. Just, and, yeah. and, well, The Guardian Oof. wrote a great article about it, so I recommend that to listeners. But some of your texts coming in just to share them, uh, and they both they all agree with you too. I believe the Prime Minister of Finland should be free to enjoy a party with her friends. But the person who filmed her dancing and releasing the video to the public is obviously not a friend. Another text just demonstrates the Finnish leader knows how to enjoy life. Quite right. No less, no more. Uh, Another text, the only reason the Finnish Prime Minister is getting all this media attention but having a party is because she's a woman. That is a real issue that that should be being covered. Um, Oh, the the lovely young uh, Prime Minister. Imagine what could have been in the internet in New Zealand in the 70s and 80s, you know. So if we, I, I, it doesn't feel like we've moved very far, to be honest. It's just that the videos are more, um, uh, you know, are more available. Uh, and another listener says the persons attacking the Finnish Prime Minister are her political opponents. I know the media is having a crack too, to be fair. Apparently no one in political office should be permitted to dance and enjoy themselves. These critics are adopting a fake morality where appearance is valued more than substance. The Finnish Prime Minister is youthful, beautiful and cool. Rather her than the male ger- geriatrics of the United States. I think James, that's from James, agrees with you. Look, thank you so much for your feedback. We'll come back to that in the next half an hour.